Welcome back to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and after a lengthy hiatus, hockey is back, Blackhawks Insider is back, and Adam Burrish joins me once again. We're going to be back throughout the postseason, breaking down every single Blackhawks game, giving you a little insight into what he sees from each night, looking ahead to the next game, and following along on hopefully this lengthy postseason run the Blackhawks are on. Today, we're going to look back on Game 1, Dominic Kublik's incredible five-point night, Jonathan Taves' two-goal performance, a special team's what to look for in game two, all that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. It's showtime. In the playoffs, it's win or go home. With Chevy, it's win and go home in a new Chevy car, truck, or SUV. Check out shop, click, and drive at your local Chevy dealer. Shop online 24-7 and take delivery at home. It's simple, it's safe, it's smart. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com to locate your Chevy dealer and schedule a test drive. Eye it, try it, buy it, whatever it takes. Your local Chevy dealers, proud sponsors of the Chicago Blackhawks. Here's Dean shuffling it along. Puck came back over to Kubelik. Welcome in the Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum joined by Adam Burrish. Uh, We're doing this a little differently now. It's virtually, but it's also our first episode in four months almost. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, You know, we're doing this uh, through our computers here and I can see you, but you can't see me because I am the worst tech person in the planet. This took us about an hour, I know, for you to walk me through. So thanks for walking me through how to set this up on a computer. But Hey, hockey's back, and that was sure fun yesterday. Hockey's back, you're right. Game one yesterday between the Blackhawks and the Edmonton Oilers in the qualifying round series. Uh, Burr, real quick, I hear a little uh, a little voice in the background there. Uh, it's been oh, an interesting. No. It's been an interesting uh, last few months for you. I'm, I've heard. Wow, these microphones are that good, huh? They're picking that up. Yeah, I had a little <laughs> daughter um, five weeks ago, so we've got our hands full here at home, but. Uh, it's been fun. It's been pretty cool. So um, I guess if there was one kind of blessing of hockey being away, it was we were able to be here with our, our new daughter and spend a lot of time here at home with her. So that's been fun. Well, it's awesome to hear. Congratulations to both you and the wife. Uh, I know that's awesome. And hockey's back. Blackhawks, Oilers, game one. And wow, what a game that was. I don't know that anyone really expected that aside from uh, maybe maybe some of the guys in the locker room. A 6-4 win, an offensive explosion, and really just almost domination from two and a half minutes in through the end of the game from the Blackhawks yesterday against Edmonton. Yeah, the only thing that was predictable was the start of the first three minutes um, when Edmonton scored on the power play. That was the one thing that was talked about in this series that you knew was coming was you've got the Edmonton Oilers, the best power play in 40 years for the Oilers. And now when you say that, remember, that's Gretzky, Curry, Coffee, Messier years. And these guys have been lighting it up at a higher percentage than those guys were. So you knew that was going to be dangerous. And for me, going into this kind of uh, updated, kind of weird playoff format, I, I believed power play was going to win you around. Was Certainly in a five-game series, uh, your power play, if you've got a deadly power play that can just slice teams up, 
I thought you could cakewalk through the first round, especially, especially with teams not really ready. Five on five was going to be tough. So all of a sudden, three minutes in, bang, Connor McDavid, the best player on the planet, ear holes, Corey Crawford, barring in. And you're thinking, oh, man, this is playing out exactly how we thought it was going to play out. Can the Hawks keep up with this? Well, if you were lived in Edmonton and you read their newspapers and what was going on with them, their big question mark was a young defensive core that had struggled a lot of the year, um, not a lot of practice time. How are they going to respond? How are they going to perform in a kind of a a weird playoff setting? But that was their weakness. And sure enough, two or three minutes later, you see a a mix-up behind the net. Throughout the entire game, you saw mix-ups for their defensive core, turning pucks over, not getting pucks out, losing coverage, mismatches with the goalie, uh, where where to put the puck, where to leave the puck. It was a mess defensively for Edmonton a lot of the game, and that was their question mark. And so at the end of the day, uh, the Blackhawks did a good enough job against the Edmonton power play and Edmonton's defense just gave away too many pucks, too many pucks to the Blackhawks and they capitalized. And you talked about Jonathan Taves and, you know, you watched the game and you heard Eddie Olchek say it and he was dead on. It's kind of like in, in football in the NFL when an offense goes out there and they just know they're going to score, they're going to get a chance. And he'll check kept saying every time that Taves line goes on the ice, they think they're going to score. And that's how it sure looked. That's how it felt. You had big bodies that can skate and can fly too much for Edmonton to handle last night. You mentioned that top line, Jonathan Taves, Brandon Saad, and Dominic Kubelik, who, Bert, I don't know if you mentioned this. I had this pointed out to me by uh, our producer, our executive producer extraordinaire, Adam Kempinar. Our last Blackhawks Insider podcast was our one-on-one with Dominic Kubelik, and he went out a couple nights later, scored his 30th goal of the season, went out yesterday in game one, uh, put up... uh, Breaking records left and right, five points, the most points by any player in his NHL playoff debut in league history. Uh, an incredible night from him, and I don't want to, you know, say we take credit for that, but you know, a spade is a you know, spade, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're not afraid to take credit here. We know that. <laughs> um, no, it was. You know what, what's kind of neat is is in these playoffs now. You've got these guys that are rookies and. They're not rookies anymore. You know, four and a half months off since their last game. It's kind of like they're coming into year two. They walk right into this this kind of new season, new playoffs, and they're feeling confident. They're not feeling like rookies. They're feeling like they're entering their second year right now. Um, but the neat thing is going into this with Dominic Kubelik, he was not a household name. And in matchups and other teams, they pre-scout and they know what's coming. But he's not on the top of your mind when you look at this Blackhawks lineup. You're thinking Taves, Saad, Kane. Uh, you're thinking Debrinket, who scored f- coming off a 41-goal season kind of thing. Those are the names that jump out at you, and I think Kubelik can still kind of hide under the radar. After this playoffs, I'll guarantee you going into next season, he's a top matchup. He's going to see big-time defensemen every night, but these guys can still slide under the radar a little bit. Um, and, and and guys that are young right now, you talk about generally in playoffs, it's experience matters, and veteran guys are the ones that are going to carry through. Well, experience in what right now? Who's ever experienced this before, taking four and a half months off and then jumping into game one at the Stanley Cup playoffs? It's not so much about experience. It's good players, and I think it's young players. I think it's young guys that have high-end skill that can play at a really fast pace right now because, listen, guys are going to be rusty. Guys are going to be sore, and it's a different soreness Then after an 82-game season going into the playoffs, uh, sometimes uh, it's weird to say, but guys in a regular season are playing with a a broken thumb maybe, maybe a torn labrum in the shoulder, something with their a a torn hip, more serious injuries that sometimes are more manageable because you've been playing with them a long time. I'm telling you what, in a couple weeks here, in a week, two weeks, probably in the next couple games, guys are going to have pulled groins, sore hips, sore lower backs, which is sometimes harder to play with. 
um, than these lingering issues you've had for a while. A pulled groin in, in preseason, you're not playing for a while because you're so you're so sore and it's really hurting. So I think these young guys that have fresh legs, that have high end skill. Um, listen, when you're 33, 34, 35, and you're taking four and a half months off, it's hard to it's harder to jump back when you got these young guys and a guy like Kubalik, 24 years old or whatever he is that. I can guarantee you he's been staying ready and he's ready to he's ready to jump. He looked fast out there. And then you got your veteran guys like Taves. Duncan Keith looked awesome. You talk about older guys. It's not veteran stuff so much now. It's good players. It's good players that are professionals, that take care of themselves, that know how to manage their bodies and did over those four and a half months. Man, uh, those are the guys that are going to win you cups right now or, or get you deep into the playoffs. And, Carter, the other thing was I thought was pretty neat was I was getting texts last night during the Hawks game from other guys in the league that were, weren't playing, that were watching. Holy man, they would say, I forgot about this Kubalik guy. This Kubalik guy is no joke. Um, was he this good all season? Kind of asking these questions that he kind of grabbed everybody's attention again. And when other guys in the league are texting you, while they're watching games, getting ready to, you know, potentially play the Hawks down the road, that's when you know you, you, you've really made an impact in the league, and, and Dominic is sure doing that. In the middle of the summer, before we got into August now, that a number 12 seed could win this thing. Kane a jump. Oh, and Duncan Keith rattled one. That becomes the sixth goal of the game for the Blackhawks. So it becomes six to two, Chicago. A great job by Duncan Keith. Take that relay from Page. Pile driving our goal right off the Dominic Kubalik in the slot. Keith doesn't waste any time at all. He's got time. He's got space. And watch it change direction right there off of Kubalik to make it six two. Well, a couple weeks ago, when the Calder Trophy finalists were announced, it was, of course, Quinn Hughes. You know, of course, Kale McCarr. The two, you know, hot shot defensemen. Everyone is really pinpointed all season long as the Calder Trophy finalists, just the two of them. And then it was Dominic Kubelik. And, you know, it's a media-voted award. So, you know, he had a little bit of interest to even find that third spot on the nominee list. But a lot of the conversation when that was announced was, yeah, I guess, you know, I maybe I had someone else, or I guess he kind of fits that third slot, but who really cares because it's about these other two guys. Well, hello, First game back, five points, two goals, three assists, uh, three points on the power play. We'll talk about the Blackhawks power play in a minute, but it's just a statement game of here's who I am. And this guy, like you said, has been working for four months, fully healthy, coming back into it. He has those fresh legs. We've known what he can do from what we've seen him do in the Swiss League and throughout the season. And he just makes a statement in game one, takes the game, almost puts it on his back. I mean, he's playing with two great players in Taves and Saad as well, but it, it takes a great player to step up in that moment. And it was just incredible to watch during game one. Yeah, it was the, some of the plays that he made and some of the passes. I, I think about the one um, where Saad kind of forechecks behind the net and Kubalik comes in and picks it up and, and throws it back door to Taves. Um, it was a high level. Can we talk about how uh, how wide open Jonathan Taves was on that first power play? Well, yeah, you know. Well, again, <laughs> you can talk about it, it's it's going to keep happening. We're going to keep seeing this with the with the Edmonton decors. They they've given up a lot, or they gave up a lot last year, and obviously four and a half months off, it's not going to tighten up a lot. Uh, they're going to if 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 Edmonton is going to have a chance, which you know we hope they continue to do what they're doing, but um, defensively they get lost quite a bit, and they've struggled with that all all season when the season was was playing. Um, but that's been their big Achilles heel, and the Hawks exploited it. And 
you're going to think in game two, you're going to see them telling their defenseman for Edmonton, just get pucks out, hit the glass, up and out. But young defensemen in the game now, if they want contracts, if they want more ice time, if they want to play, they know they've got to make plays. It's not at a glass and out league anymore. It's a make plays, kind of like you see a, a young guy like Adam Boquist, the way he plays. That's the new league, and that's the kind of NHL defenseman that teams want. So it's a catch-22 for players and coaches that you want guys making plays, but you also can't be turning pucks over and making errors in your D zone, which Edmonton did back and forth. And listen, the, the people have talked about the Hawks defense all year this a, a little bit similarly. And game one, they did a fantastic job. They were very simple. They played a very simple game, you know, kind of a, a, your, your typical NHL playoff game one. Let's not hurt ourselves. Let's just stay in the game. Let's advance the puck. Let's move to the next zone. And, and the Hawks decor, they did a pretty good job of that. And I think in this first round, especially in this best of five, it's who can really play simple, but then just let your forwards just go crazy, go wild. I mean, this is this was so much fun to watch yesterday. It was racehorse hockey. It was two-on-ones back and forth. It was a coach's nightmare with all the two-on-ones and, and backdoor layups and and three-on-twos and odd man rushes. Coaches hate odd man rushes. There shouldn't be more than seven or eight a game. And um, man, every game you watch, there was a lot of that. But this formula for the Hawks, if they can just be simple defensively, let their forwards just run and play fast and attack the Edmonton defense, they're going to get turnovers, they're going to get odd man rushes. And when you've got the puck like they did, you're going to get a lot of power plays. I, I still think this Stanley Cup is going to come down to power plays. It's going to come down to which team has a really strong, deadly power play. they got to be over 20%. Um, cause you're going to get a lot of chances. You're going to get five power plays a game. It seems like right now. And so if you can be one or two score, one or two of those a night, um, you're going to get two or three or five, two on ones and you score one or two of those, you're going to get four goals a game. You're going to have to score four right now. It's going to be run and gun. It's going to be shootout hockey. So the Blackhawks had the puck a lot. They had a lot of pressure on Edmonton's defense, turning pucks over and you're going to get power plays and you're going to score. And, and that's what happened. Game one. Well, going right into the power play, I mean, we knew, we talked about the Oilers' power play coming in. They were operating at nearly a 30% rate all season long, just unheard of numbers in the last 40 years. They go three for four on the afternoon. Not ideal if you're the Blackhawks. You wanted to be maybe a little more stingent than that, but you knew what you were getting into. Like you said, it was talked about the entire lead up to the series. But on the other side of it, the Blackhawks have been focusing on their own power play. You know, ranked 28th during the regular season, a lot of time in camp was spent working on that power play, getting kind of a new look going. You have Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Dominic Kubelik, Kirby Doc, and Duncan Keith. They go out in game one. They go three for six. They convert on half of their power plays. And, you know, it's one thing you don't want to allow Edmonton to score that many power play goals, but when you can even it on the other side and score three of your own, you kind of negate that. And then you're just trying to win the five on five play, which the Blackhawks were able to dominate all afternoon. Yeah. Well, that's it, Carter. It's, it's, you're going to get a lot of power plays and you're probably going to score a lot of them because your killers have not had a lot of time. And it, you know, you're, you're trotting your five best guys out there fresh as can be after not playing for four and a half months. And um, you look at that, that first goal Edmonton scored, where Connor McDavid comes outside of the zone. The Hawks actually were in really good formation. The, the way they had set Edmonton set that play up, that was just a way to exploit good penalty killing and exploit some holes, and they had to make three perfect passes. And sometimes if they do, you got to tip your cap, and the puck ends up on the best player in the world stick coming down the, the dot line. It's a, he's got a better than, you know, if you're a, if you're kind of a gambler, you're looking at percentages, I, I'd say he's got a six better than 65% chance of scoring that goal coming down the pipe. And so you hope he misses it. You hope he doesn't hit his spot, which he did. And 
Um, it, that's what it's going to come down to, though, with special teams. And, you know, Edmonton goes, what is it, three for four, and the Hawks go 50%. So if you can score one or two, five on five, but that's what it's going to be. That's what this whole playoffs is going to be. And as a fan, um, it's going to be a it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun to watch. But this this series isn't over because of what Edmonton can do on their power play. It's dangerous, and you know you want to say, well, don't take penalties. Well, geez, man, with how fast this game is right now, and guys are going to start getting sore and slowing down. You're seeing hooking penalties. You're going to see interference penalties. Defensemen are going to get tired, having trouble turning, and you're going to see a lot of power plays. And uh, you hope your penalty killers can hang on, and you hope your power play can can score more than theirs. You mentioned it going into game two and. You know, it's always the adage when when I grew up playing, and I never played at any high level like you did. But the the wording was always, "You never want to approach a wounded animal." And not that the Oilers are on the edge of the ropes by any means, or on the ropes by any means. But you're down one nothing in a best of five series. They at this point almost have nothing to lose. They're they're going to be angry. They're going to come out in game two. They have a a point to be made. They're not happy with how game one went, obviously. And oh yeah, they're probably one of the most offensively threatening teams in the NHL with just the two top players they have. And then some of the younger guys and and other veteran guys they have around them. Yeah. If you're in the Blackhawks locker room, I I believe what they're, what they're saying to each other right now is, you know, their power play has confidence. They're feeling good about that. So Edmonton feels like we're in this series because our power play is so darn good. We know that. So they have a lot of confidence still in that locker room. Where they don't have confidence, I can guarantee it, is on their back end. And their forwards are questioning their defensemen. Uh, the goaltenders, who knows who's going to play now. They've got a little bit of an issue there. And those exchanges with pucks, um, moving them to defensemen as it, when the goaltender stops it, where are my defensive players going? Where is the communication? Uh, it was a mess. It was a bit of a mess for the Oilers last night. And I can tell you as a player – um, you're kind of thinking, geez, guys, what are you doing back there as a forward? And the defensemen are saying, well, forwards, why don't you hold a guy up? I was getting pasted into the back end all night. Or why don't you guys, I get you a puck and you turn it over. And so there gets to be a little bit of that. And that that beats up your confidence a little bit. After what happened in game one on their back end, they're going to have a little trouble with their confidence. So if I'm a Hawks guy, I'm saying, listen, let's keep putting pressure on these guys. Let's go 100 miles an hour at them. Every time they touch a puck, we need to have a stick in there. Uh, it's not a big hitting game for checking like it was back in the day, but it's a speed with your stick and, and disrupt them, make them uncomfortable a lot. Don't turn pucks over. Don't try and make this cute because then it's going to, it is going to be racehorse hockey. And I think Edmonton wins a racehorse hockey game. Um, but if you can put pucks in there and put some pressure on them, you're going to get a lot of turnovers. You're going to beat down their confidence a little bit. And that's where Edmonton struggles. So the Blackhawks exploited it. So keep that kind of mindset. You're probably not, if you're being honest, you're, power play to power play, you're probably not going to win that battle. Their power play is, is probably better. And um, if you can hang in there and then just create a lot of turnovers five on five, because they're going to give you opportunities. That's where you win this. That's where you win this series. You mentioned the goalies. Mike Smith started the game for Edmonton. He got chased after five goals. Uh, Miko Koskinen comes in, only gives up one, but you know, like you said, not a whole lot of help around him at that point. The, the Oilers were throwing the kitchen sink, trying to get back into the game. But if you look in the other at the other side of the ice, Corey Crawford, I just want to get your thoughts on him. He's a guy who announced that he had tested positive for COVID-19, kind of went through, luckily had some mild symptoms. But a week to the day after he got back on the ice for the first time, after having a, a serious illness where he was kind of holed up in bed for a few days. I mean, I think everyone's been there with the flu, but just the extra toll that this might take on the body to come back in a week later and start essentially a Stanley Cup playoff game. 
just an incredible performance from Corey Crawford. Three of the four goals he gave up were on the power play when you're maybe not expected to be able to stop a whole lot of that anyways. <laughs> yeah, you start a game with Connor McDavid burying one next to your ear thinking, oh boy, here we go. Uh, this, is, this isn't going to be pretty. But no, I, I, Carter, I can't tell you how hard that is after taking that much time off. And when I was playing, um, you'd start back on the ice again in you know, uh, July-ish or you know, August after a guy's taking two months off or a month and a half off. And the goalies usually came on the ice always later. They would always take a little more time off or they'd just go out there by themselves or with their goalie coach. And, you know, I, I'm no sniper. I never was. But gosh, when goalies take that much time off, they're not very good. They are really rusty. Their angles are off. Um, it, it just feels like every time you look at you, you shoot the puck, you're going to score. Uh, so it takes them. It always feels like a little longer to get that rhythm. Now, maybe goalies, they, they you know, they kind of they they do everything differently when they're coming back. Their training is differently than players is. But um, I always remember goalies taking a little longer to get into that rhythm and to get back to the, you know all-star goalies that we'd shoot on in the summers. It, it would take them a little longer to, to kind of get back to that form. So for Corey to do this and what did he have, a week uh, of, yeah. of training camp pretty much, a week, and then all of a sudden I'm going to go into a into a playoff game? Like, come on, that, that's, that's crazy. That tells you how athletic and, and his mental focus too. I mean, I think we always talk about how good he is, but – when you when when you look in his eyes in a game and you see that focus he has when he's dialed in, it's 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 as much mental for goaltenders as it is physical and kind of trusting your angles and trusting your technique and and knowing you're in a good spot. And so obviously he's in a good spot uh, mentally, trusting his game and feeling good about his game. And then physically, um, listen, these guys are freaks now in the NHL. What 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 they can do and, and watching those games yesterday, all of them, how fast they were after taking that much time off. They're freaks. It's it's pretty incredible what what these NHL players are doing right now and playing at the pace they are. It's a hockey fan's dream right now, right? You mentioned it watching all those games. Unreal. Was it five games back to back to back? I mean, we got to hurry up here because we're coming up on puck drop in the first game of uh, of Sunday's games, and we got to get the TVs back on. But just incredible to watch nonstop hockey all day long after the last four four and a half months of you know dying for it. Yeah, this is fun. I can't, um, you know, I can't wait till game two. All these matchups have been great. Um, and I think really, I think this Edmonton Chicago one is, is going to be one of the best matchups. I just think it's really going to be fast. It's going to be back and forth hockey. If the Hawks can power play can hang in there, um, it's going to be back and forth goals because you're going to get a lot of chances. You're going to get a lot of goals with some good power plays. And and I think it's, if you're a Hawks fan, you can be pretty excited seeing the Hawks power play clicking like they are. Um, this is going to be a fun series. And, and now Going into it, did, did people think the Hawks could make a run? I don't know. You know, Hawks fans, I think, did. I think us that know the players did. I don't think a lot of the league probably did. After game one, they're on a lot of people's radars now, which is going to be really fun uh, to watch how this all plays out. All right, real quickly, biggest thing to watch for in game two? Defensive Edmonton. You know, how are they going to respond? Are they going to clean up their game a little bit? Are they going to play simpler? Are they going to get pucks up and out? Um, and then on the Hawks side, can they keep putting pressure on those defense? Can you s- watch how many turnovers the Blackhawks can create um, down low in the offensive zone on Edmonton's defense? If they can keep creating turnovers and keep creating pressure, they're going to get four, five, six power plays again. Uh, and then you keep Connor McDavid off the ice. That's how you beat that team. Well, Blackhawks, Oilers, game two, 9.30 Central Time puck drop on Monday night. Uh, put the coffee on, stay up a little late, maybe get a little pregame nap in, Burr. What's yeah. the optimum time for that pregame nap? Uh, 2.30. 2.30? Okay. Yep, two hours. <laughs> Solid two hours. Solid two hours. Get your rest in, stay up late, watch game two. 
Uh, if you're up for it, come join the rest of the Blackhawks fans out at the drive-in watch parties out in Schaumburg at Boomer Stadium. A great scene out there in game one. Uh, a little bit of normalcy watching with other fans and just being able to cheer on and hear Jim Cornelison sing the national anthem, hear Chelsea Dagger after goals are scored. Uh, a great scene out in Schaumburg. More information on that at blackhawks.com slash drive-in. Uh, for Adam Burrish, I'm Carter Bomber. We'll be back uh, in just a couple of days. We'll take a look at game two and uh, excited to be back talking to you again, recording podcasts, and uh, glad to hear everything's been going well for you, man. Can't wait. See you after game two. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive.